0: Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life, who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance, and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned, we're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Welcome everybody to another episode here at Let Freedom Reign podcast. Now, this week, we had the privilege of sitting down with who, in my opinion, is one of the greatest Western lifestyle photographers going. Mr. Chris Dickinson was kind enough to sit down with us and walk through his story of going from a financial institution chief information officer to photographer and entrepreneur. Now, he and his wife, Joe, who just so happens to be next week's guest, run an incredible dog training and photography business based out of Utah. Throughout this episode, Chris discussed the many challenges faced with going from the stability of a corporate job to all of the challenges faced with entrepreneurship. Now, for those of you who are faced with major professional decisions to make or traditional life changes, Chris explains kind of the theory and thought process and his experience in going through such a major change in his life. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Chris Dickinson. Chris, good morning. How are you?
1: Good. How are you doing, Jason?
0: Doing very, very well. I want to thank you very much for uh, taking this recording on such short notice. It's much appreciated, and, and we'd love to have you on and learn from you today.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity to be on. Um, I've enjoyed listening to your podcasts in the past and uh especially those that that are close to me in, in relationships and including Jen and Zach and so I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on and so thank you.
0: Yeah, they were phenomenal guests and run quite an amazing program out there in South Dakota.
1: Yes, they do. Yeah, it, it was funny going out there uh, last year for for my annual photography workshop. Jen had offered up the ranch, and of course, you know, cleared it through with Zach and whatnot. And um, and when when I came out there, I always like to do a little bit of scouting before I hit a new location, especially when we're talking about a workshop. And so I came out a couple days early just to get a lay of the land, a feel for what the accommodations were like, and just get to know, you know, get to know them in in their house. And, um and one thing that, you know, like Zach was talking about on the podcast, and even Jen, he, he he treats horses and uh, develops horses through what he calls lifemanship, you know, versus a, a horsemanship mentality. And as I would stand and watch him out there working with the horses in their, in their arena, you know, it just, it really struck me that, there's there's a lot of correlation between what I do in my workshops and what Zach does with his horses. And and I took that in and used some of that in in the closing of my uh, three-day workshop out there with them. So it was really fantastic. It's just a, uh, um, what would I call it? I, I would call it soul enriching.
0: Yeah. I was going to say the whole lifemanship thing, obviously, I've learned. First learned uh, from J.D. Steffen, who had apprenticed yeah, with, you with bet. Uh-huh. Jen and Zach at one point and now helps him quite a bit. And, yeah, I was going to say, it's quite <laughs> it's quite a, a mantra, right? Uh, the whole yep. lifemanship thing. There's so much that the horse can teach us. And and obviously, that's a lot of the the topics discussed here in this podcast. And today, we we're going to go down the photography route a little bit. Um, you have quite a story that you're going to share with us here in a little bit. What I think is most captivating about your story that I think a lot of people struggle with is oftentimes we end up in careers that aren't necessarily good for us, and we know they're not good for us, yet they provide financial stability, growth, and and help us achieve goals, yet there's always kind of that passion profession burning burning in our hearts, right? Which usually, like most horse professions, doesn't come with a huge paycheck and benefits and all the stability of, of the corporate world. So in getting into the lion's share of this this conversation if you don't <laughs> if you don't mind maybe introduce yourself a little bit and and kind of we'll pave the way how you go from corporate america to photography and and now I have quite a business doing such
1: yeah sure thank you first and first and foremost uh photography was not something you know that I grew up with it's it you know I don't have I don't have a lineage of photographers in my family that were, you know, pass the camera down and um, carry on a legacy. It wasn't that at all. In fact, um, for first and foremost, it's it's a business. So you know, outside of just taking pictures and and sharing those and developing relationships, it's all about it, it was all about getting into a business and making a living. Um, little did I know. Um, so in, I guess I should back up for a second. Um, in, in my past, you know, I, I went, I went to school. I, I did everything that as I look back, um, that we should do as, as we, as we grow as young adults, you know, as you finish high school, you go to college, you, you get a good job and you work up the corporate ladder or whatever that is. And then, um, one day you retire and you have a great life and then you die. I guess that's, that's the path. But throughout my career, I was in banking and finance for 15 years and, and it just, I achieved everything. I achieved everything that I set out to do. And I'm not saying that to brag, but when, you know, every year you sit down and, and you go through your goals, right? You have to you have to <laughs> you have to justify why you're getting paid Yeah, exactly. There's got to be that constant you know, reflection.
0: Yeah, it yeah. is.
1: It is. And and I, I joke about it, but there's there's true value to it. And that doesn't change being self-employed. Um it, it's just that there's no um there's no bureaucracy between yeah. you and the ground. There's there's nobody to blame shit on. There's there's nobody um, there's nobody but you. And and if you fail, it's on you. That's it. Um, so in the corporate world, uh, yes, I, uh, started out, um, in Minnesota. That's where my professional career started. And then I moved to Chicago. And from Chicago, I moved to North Carolina. And from North Carolina, I moved to Utah. And Utah is where I left and began the rest of my life. I left the bank here in Utah as the um, CIO or the Chief Information Officer, and uh, the bank that I worked for we managed um, somewhere in the neighborhood uh, of eleven to thirteen billion dollars in assets. Um, I was responsible for um, the safety and security of the of the assets, and what that means is making sure that I have uh, process programs and procedures in place to um, to secure the accounts from, you know, hacking and things like that,
0: which I mean is a huge stress in and of itself. Not only the job title, right, but yep. carrying out that purpose of of that much money, and it's basically that money security lies in your hands and your decision making.
1: It does um, when when you're at that level in in you know your career. It's, you know, it's not about your performance as far as, you know, I, I got 10 things done today as much as it is about um, how your programs are progressing and how they help uh, save money or uh, raise money for the bank. And then, of course, you go through your, your annual safety and soundness audits through um Uh, depending on the size of your bank through your federal agency that supervises you. In our case, it was, um, the FDIC and a lot of, you you know, a lot of your performance is based on how your programs stack up when the auditors come in and, and, um, you're, you you can't really say much more about that other than, um, you're you're bound to a non-disclosure agreement, um, with those. So, um, I never got fired, and so I guess you're <laughs> I was successful a little, like little bit. That. So, <laughs> <laughs> so t- take it for what you will. Yeah, um,
0: you did your job. How about that? Yeah,
1: I did my <laughs> job. There. That sums it up. Uh, so in in that time. Um, what I'm doing uh, to, to become self-employed. And this is a question that I, that I get all the time is, you know, how, how did you choose photography or, or, you know, how do I make it go at being self-employed? And to be quite honest with you, Jason, I'm, I'm not a risk taker. I hate risk. I hate it so much.
0: Being in in money management, I can see that, right?
1: Oh yeah. All 15 years you, uh, I am trained. I am beating. Down to mitigate risk in every stretch, you know, yep. of, of of my life, and um, but my wife isn't. My wife, uh, she, you know, she takes the approach of what's the worst that's going to happen, mm-hmm. and that's you know that can be hard for me. Like, well, what's the worst that's going to? I don't know. You filed bankruptcy. Yeah, we're homeless. Like, blah, blah, blah. I don't have a yeah, job. Like, you know, all it could probably get pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but. So we, we had the opportunity and, and going back to what you said, um, as you, there's nothing wrong, you know, there's nothing wrong with your, your nine to five jobs. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, what that did for me is provide me the opportunity to build the business that we have currently. So Joe started it out, um, as dog train as a dog training and photography business. And I would do it part time. I would just You know, for Joe's clients, they would bring their dogs into the studio and we would make it a um, supplemental income. And that was good with me. I I was fine with that. Um, My linear brain and coming from the banking and finance world, what I did was, you know, 11 years ago was follow the deposits. So let me see what the deposits were um, this week and then two weeks from now and then a month and then six months and then a year and what I continued to see was linear growth and you know that curve would just it would just go up and up and up that line would just stay steady to the point that and and not to you know not to really. Dumb this down, but to the point that I was able to leave. We were making more money than I was making in the current job that I had. And that's that got to be an incredible
0: mean, freedom, though.
1: No, no, it's not. No, that that was scary. Are you know that is the scariest thing in the world.
0: And why is that? To,
1: to leave the safety and security of uh of that, you know, and just jump into the unknown. Mm-hmm. There was, and when I say jump, I jumped. I, I wasn't fired. I wasn't uh, pushed out by the regulators. I, I left on my own. I, I even hired my replacement. And and I gave them, oh, I think it was, uh, we, we had about a three-month runway um, to get a new person in there. And in that time, uh, we, you know, I just continued to monitor um, our business's health. And was very, I was comfortable with the health of the business, although I didn't see you know, at the time, um, how, how my side of it was going to develop. And so when I took the leap, I took the leap and that was it. <laughs> From that point on, after I left, it was, it was getting used to, uh, a small business lifestyle. And people say, what's your job or, you know, what do you do? Um, small business, there's so, you know, as you know, there's so many myths about small business that, that can be dispelled along the way. Like you make up your own schedule. No, you don't. <laughs> you you are beholden to to your customers, you know, and if you want that paycheck in, you're going to do what it takes to get that job done. When, when I left the bank, uh, it, it was very scary. Uh, my wife and I made a choice that we were not going to get health insurance. That was one thing that we carved out that we said, you know what? That's not for us. Um, pending legislation and, and, and all of that, we, we were actually, uh, oh i guess we can't call it a fine right cuz the supreme court said it's not technically <laughs> a fine it's an assessment yeah. so so in in the time you know in the time that that the healthcare legislation was enacted and then the time that it was um, removed we were assessed one penalty and for small businesses uh i i don't i don't get into politics or religion or anything like that on my page it's it's not my platform at all mm-hmm. but um you when when you're a small business owner everything affects you every second of every day and uh, here in utah for example the state legislature in the last 6 days of their session were trying to cram down or cram through the legislature uh, a massive the largest tax reform bill in history uh, in in the state of Utah's history and instead of taxing products they're going to tax all services as well and for us that would be a big deal you know it's going to it it would just weigh us down so drastically it to for for joe my wife as a dog trainer if for her to tax the services the amount of time that that would take away from what she's doing out in the field to having to, you know, get some kind of backroom operator to set up all of these tax codes and report into the state quarterly. And it it's just stupid. And the, well, anyways. the struggle
0: in that is, I mean, I mean, it almost takes from you twofold, right? Because on one hand, all that preparation for the, the tax audit has to be done, right? So if mm-hmm. you don't have the means to have somebody do that audit, you have to do it yourself. Well, all those hours that you're spent focusing on that audit is hours. You're not out in the field working dogs, right? So, yep. you know, you're losing yep. hours and making money, and then all those hours are being spent reallocated somewhere else, and you're getting taxed at a different rate, right? Yeah,
1: I think, uh, you know, my the first thought that comes to mind after you said that was what I, I think what some people don't understand about about small business is the amount of time, just like you're saying, you know, if you're allocating it, um, you know, if you're being tasked with, with this time and it's taking away from somewhere else, you're going down in profit Yeah, and that goes for, that goes for photography too. If I'm making, if I'm making myself a preset in Lightroom that I can synchronize across a thousand images and use it as such, that saved me 45 minutes of editing. And that means that's 45 minutes that I can put to revenue generating in, you know, um, jobs. Yeah. So it, it makes a difference when when you start looking at, you know, the state or either federal legislation that comes down and, and how that's going to weigh down on you to even day-to-day tasks like creating presets that, that can save you time. And, you know, that old cliche is
0: true. Time is money. It is true. And, and it's been the driving force. At least it was the driving force in my life and kind of some of the career decisions that I made. Because – I mean, we're not all going to be billionaires, right? That's that's just a reality. But you can always make up money, right? You can always find another way to generate some sort of income. Yep. But how do you make up time? You don't, right? No, so you don't. So when it's gone, it's gone. And and for me, that was my priority is how do I conserve as much time as possible to pour into the things that matter in my life rather than run the rat wheel of, of quote-unquote, corporate America?
1: Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just – I'll touch on one more thing about about the corporate America side and that is uh while while I did achieve every goal that I ever set out um in in that 15 years looking back I can say that I never felt fulfilled and being being self-employed and and doing this with my doing this with my wife I have been fulfilled to the point that my cup feels like it's running over and there's the good and bad side to that is when you're doing this for a living, you you feel the highest highs and you feel the lowest lows. Yeah. The swings were not as terrible in corporate mm-hmm. America mm-hmm. As, as they are being self-employed, but I believe that that comes with the territory. Yeah, And even saying that, Jason – when you know when you're around another small business owner and i'm not I'm not talking about somebody that just does this as a hobby, I'm talking about somebody that goes out there and risks it all every day that knows that every day is another opportunity to pay your mortgage to develop a new relationship with a customer you know when when you talk to each other and you give each other that nod that yeah, yeah, we get it, it doesn't yeah. matter what you're doing. You know, whether you own a restaurant, you're a horse trainer, you're a photographer, you're a dog trainer, whatever that is, um, you get it. You yeah. know, you you yeah. just have to look at each other, give that nod, and go, yeah, man, I I get it.
0: It's the common ground of the hustle, right? The hustle of yeah. of, of running a small business, and I want to go back and revisit some of the points that we discussed because yes, please. So many of the, the listeners, right, are horse trainers or involved in some level of training or equine business, right, which, which includes small business on some level. And we talked a lot about how you had somewhat of the stability of corporate America and you're trying mm-hmm. to develop the photography and the dog training business alike and you get to the point where you're making enough money to where or you're making more money than, than corporate America. Yes. Now, uh-huh. oftentimes the financial threshold is kind of the breaking point, right? How can I replace the income that I have? But you also discussed, I guess you would say the loss of benefits or a, a choice not to carry so many yes. benefits such as the medical insurance. So yep. being that income and benefits are a huge, huge hurdle for most people going from the stability of a nine-to-five to to small business operation. What helped you kind of come to a decision or or make that leap of faith saying that, hey, we're going to give this up to make a run at, at the small business thing?
1: For me, be, because I do have that linear brain, I, I had to look at it um, from a financial standpoint and say, yeah, while we are making more than, more than what I'm making at the bank, it, it's not enough for me just to say, oh, you know, last year we made X amount of money and that's more than I made Uh, last year in the corporate job, what I have to do is look at it from a sustainable standpoint. Um, Just because I made that much last year doesn't mean I'm going to make that much this year. And more than that, um, and these are all what what I'll be pointing out are different, um, um, different buckets, if you will, to Mm -hmm. make sure that I felt secure enough to make that leap. And that goes, that starts in the business. And that also starts in your life, um, making choices, Making choices in your lifestyle yeah. um, for your future. So when I'm looking at just just the financial figures, it, it it's not enough just to say you made this much. Uh, you know, in the corporate job, you made this much. Being self-employed, um, so I can just jump ship and and go into self-employment. The the very next thing I had to look at was, um, you know, what's the sustainability of the business? In other words, how do I continue to grow and and what is what's scalable? Because you have you, you're not going to work twenty four seven. You just won't. You have to you have to lay down and sleep for at least. Four or five hours a night, um, so that means you work twenty hours a day. Well, whatever. I just think it's incredible because <laughs>
0: when you're talking about you know the joys of small business and, and the mantra that you yeah. get to you God. get to make your own business hours. I said, yeah, as a small business owner, your your yeah. hours are twenty four. That's your hours uh, it, of operation. It is.
1: It is. There's no. I was reading. I was reading your email at eleven thirty last night. Yeah. You know, and, and I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people just in the corporate world. I know I did in, in the role that I had. That was close to being self-employed. I guess if I were to, not to digress, but if I were to point out one big difference between being self-employed and, you know, and having a job like that, you know, I could take off two weeks out of the year and not have to to report back in. You don't get that. You don't get that being self-employed. Yeah, you can take time off, but you know what that means to you. You know, you know that if you don't have anybody working the ground for you, You're not pulling in income.
0: Yep, and and it's just it's time management, right? Where you where you pull back from the business to go enjoy something or participate in something. Well, you're going to have to make up that time at some point. So while everybody's sleeping, you know, you're going to knock out a couple hours. Or yep, you know, it's it's that constant balance of of if not when now.
1: We'll get back um, and get back to your original question. So looking at the financials, um, it wasn't it, it, it wasn't just looking at um, one particular you know gain for the year as much as it was, making sure that's sustainable. And what that meant to me was making sure that our clients aren't geographically located in one particular section of the valley, and also making sure that twenty percent of our clients didn't account for eighty percent of our revenue. You know, it has to be diversified so that if one client or two clients leave us, that, you know, we can make it up. We're not we're not dependent on one particular segment mm-hmm. um, of clientele. That That's the business side of it for me, um, and I felt comfortable with that. Now, on the personal side, you know, I, I drove a BMW, I, uh, there were some other things that had, and, and I'll tell you this straight away, but, um, there were other things that I had to do in my life to make that change. And what that meant to me was get rid of the BMW. It's not, it, it is historically so unreliable. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I cannot afford to be bogged down with, mm-hmm. you know, with, with car repairs and things like that. So I have to, uh, I have to mitigate risk in my own life. So I got rid of the BMW and I got a Toyota. Now our our Toyota Tundra, um, boy I crossed my fingers telling you this. We bought that (laughs) we we bought a full size Toyota tundra um, with ninety-eight thousand miles on it, and we now have almost four hundred thousand miles on it. And there has been zero major mechanical issues with it. Nothing. You know, just the regular regular annual maintenance and we drive with our businesses between Joe and I, we drive sixty plus thousand miles every year.
0: Yeah.
1: that is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, we're on the road a ton. So those are things those are things in, in my life that I needed to change. I, you know, you, you you have to mitigate the risk. You can't just you know, while I say you jump into it, I literally I jumped into it, you know, you have an end date to that corporate career and then you
0: move on. Correct. Um, you have to step off at some point.
1: But that doesn't mean that you're throwing caution at the wind yelling yee haw Yeah. You're you're mitigating or you should be, in my opinion, you should be mitigating any risk that you see out there um, that could potentially hurt you in the in the short term.
0: Yeah, and I and I think in going through your story, I mean you you've hit numerous times on this this idea of sustainability. Yep. And I think that's the biggest thing where people need to step back and instead of making this purely a financial decision, you have oh, to look oh, at your life oh, oh. almost as a total compensation package, right? You
1: do. So yes. you
0: you 100%. have income and you have benefits, right? And then you have your family and you have <laughs> yeah. what makes you happy. All yeah. of those things are just as important, right? And you talk about this idea of different buckets. So when, when you evaluate your situation going from corporate to private or excuse me, corporate to small business. Yeah. You have to step back and figure out, hey, where am I going to put my pocket change? Right, what bucket, <laughs> what bucket am I going to toss it into? Yeah, you know, and then you, you, and each individual has to answer this question for themselves. What, what provides you the most value? That being said, there has to be that level of sustainability and balance in all of it.
1: Mm-hmm. Most people will go out. Um, to make, to make a run at this, at any run, doesn't matter what kind of run. Um, you'll, you'll get a loan from mom and dad. You'll get a loan from a bank. You'll get a loan from, in fact, the bank that I worked for. This is the most ironic. This is the most ironic part to being self-employed is the bank that I worked for. We, uh, we funded the most small business loans across the nation. Oh really? We we held and financed and managed, um, yeah, yeah, the the most small business loans. And when I say small business, we're talking about you know five hundred thousand dollar revolvers and things like that for inventory mm-hmm. and payroll. You know, small businesses that are uh, you know two to ten million dollars and things like that. Mm-hmm. But little did I know, little did I know anything about business. You know, you you know business, right? You you're taught it, and yeah. but. You never apply it. And so, anyways, um, later, yeah, later on down the road, when I would leave, and, and I'll tell you this, uh, i would be 100% transparent about this, I don't have a savings account. We don't have savings. I had my 401k, it was healthy, you know, it, it was, it was healthy, I grew it over time, and I cashed every single penny in, and I put it in our business.
0: You want to talk about faith.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wanted to spell any, any myths that, or, you know, any assumptions that people have that, oh, he had some big, you know, banking job or something like that. BS. Yeah, maybe I did. But I'll tell you what, I cashed everything in. You can get, like I said, you can get a loan from your mom and dad, you can get a loan from a bank or you can do it yourself. Yeah. We did it ourselves. I, I cashed it in. I I am not standing here today with 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 any savings account, and and that's the way we roll. You know, some people go, "Oh, that's way too risky for me." Um,
0: but to each their own, right? That's the decision yeah, that you guys yeah. chose to make, and you know the risks that come along with it. And and
1: you know, ten, eleven years later, um, I I am the most fulfilled that I've been in my life with my wife and I. Uh, it is something that. I just posted recently uh, on my Instagram channel, you know, I just posted a picture of my wife and, and I said, you know, sometimes uh, the road has been really dark and it's been a thin line, but uh, no matter what I would walk it, I would walk it for any time. Yeah. It's not something that I would make this choice over and over and over again.
0: It's incredible. you You've gotten to that point because so many people, myself included, right? There's always that hesitation or reservation, and it's funny. A buddy of mine and I were just having a conversation, oh, two days ago, about performance anxiety, and uh, we were we were speaking at an event uh, not too far from here. It was a our portion of it was a, a two day presentation or excuse me, two day commitment. And the morning of, we're meeting up. We're making sure we're good to go uh, as far as our presentation and, and our speaking engagement and I mean, you got the butterflies, right? There's all this hype around it. And then when you get done, there's this huge, huge sigh of relief and reflecting about, you know, the the hours before pre-presentation. Pre, uh, Sometimes we get so worked up over stuff that doesn't even matter. Yep. Right? I, it's just once you dive into it, you start to build that comfort, that confidence, you get rolling. And I've done speaking engagements many times before. This wasn't like this was my first run at it, per se. And oftentimes making these jumps in life and these transitions in life, the hype of what if or what might be, it, we make it more overwhelming than what it needs to be, right? Instead of just making a decision and going for it.
1: I, I have a, a healthy amount of clientele that I do mentoring with either online or in person. And some of them include, you know, they want to be self-employed. They want to they want to take that leap. And I can look, I, I get the value, I, I get... Um, Oh, I don't know how to say this. I, I guess I can look back and I can say this. But when, when they say, oh, you know, it's too hard, it's too risky, it's, it's too this or that. Um, the one thing I tell them is, uh, and you can bleep this out if you want, but <laughs> fuck safe.
0: Sometimes you got to go for it.
1: Yeah, you do. Sometimes you do. Uh, and that translates into a lot of my
0: pictures as well. So I was going to say that is a perfect segue for us because uh, we've had a phenomenal conversation as far as small business and life commitments and jumping into things. <laughs> yeah. And truly, yeah. we could probably go on another hour or two about it. But <laughs> easily, those are conversations between you and I for another day or we can do multiple episodes. But um, getting lost in that that business conversation. I almost lose focus as to why we're here, and, and your photography is just absolutely incredible. I think you do a phenomenal job of capturing the Western lifestyle and it, all of its beauty. Thank you. And knowing that this is coming from a CIO who just said, heck with it, I'm going to be a photographer. Yep. It's been an amazing journey. So let's let's talk a lot about that because, like you mentioned in your history, photography is not uh, a lineage per se in, in your nope. bloodlines. So. I mean, how do we make that transition from from giving up corporate America to to now putting out some of the most exceptional Western art that, that that's out there?
1: Uh, I um, I say this a lot, Jason. Thank you. I appreciate that, and and I want you to know that uh, you know when somebody posts that on a comment or something like that, and they say, "Man, this is an incredible picture." Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, that's that's not just, I'm not just throwing that out there. I really do appreciate your comment.
0: No, it's 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 incredible work. And I think so much of it, and we'll get to how other people can view your artwork here in a little bit. But sure, when I personally look at the images, obviously they're captivating and they're attractive to the eye. But I mean, you get so, there's so much more emotion in it. It's all the effort right that you put forward to gain your education and then not only not only your experience right but your interaction and your relationship with with whoever the target of the shoot is so let's uh let's start to walk that line
1: yeah yeah um a couple things come to mind first uh you know as as we've talked about my history about mitigating risk and then you know uh, and then just cashing into 401k. <laughs> yeah. Throwing it to the wind. <laughs> yeah, throwing it to the wind.
0: <laughs>
1: um... So what what I needed to do in, in the photography side of it was knowing that I wanted to do this as the business, as my side of the business, I needed to understand how we make money. How how does this even work? Sure. Anybody can pick up a camera and take pictures and call themselves a photographer, right? Correct.
0: You know, just,
1: heck, I can put on my cowboy hat and call myself a cowboy. Yeah, I'll
0: throw some pictures up today. Yeah.
1: You know, <laughs> Bring know, a business can, card and we'll be good. <laughs> right. Can you, can you doctor cows at two o'clock in the morning? Can you calve, yeah. you know, and? In the middle of a snowstorm. You know, all these things. That that doesn't make me a cowboy and it doesn't make me a photographer having a camera in my hand. But um, what I needed to do going into this was I needed to understand the photography business. Um, So what I did was I uh, joined a a large photography organization to understand that side of it. In addition to that side of it, uh, the business side of photography, I needed to also understand um, the aesthetics of of an image, not just, you know, not just copy somebody else and blindly uh, post it without knowing why I'm doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's my side, you know, that's, that's me having to dig in now, both sides, both of those, um, silos, if you will, grew, I would say at the same rate. So as I'm learning the business side of photography, I'm also learning principles of art principles of Design um, things that make up our images that that otherwise would that could be overlooked by somebody that's not learning about them like. Compositional guidelines, yeah. or color harmony, yeah. or um, you know how to effectively use your depth of field, how to effectively use uh, you know an, an aperture or a shutter speed to convey what you're trying to say, and then more than that, how do we use light to um, to tell a story, you know, and and how do we do that effectively? And this is these are all the things that go into go into an image without. You know, without the viewer ever looking at it, you know, you have a viewer's oh, yeah. attention for two seconds at most, you know?
0: You're absolutely true. I think as a consumer, the eye knows what makes a good image, right? We see an attraction to an image, yet uh-huh. we don't know that it's lighting and composition and all the things that you discussed, right, as far as, as the elements yep. that are constructed yep. in a in a phenomenal photo.
1: But you also know what, what isn't a good image. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get an image of yourself or a headshot or something like that, and let's say the photographer isn't that experienced, and it comes back, and you go, "Man, something's not right about this image." I don't, you know, it's not that you you need to know that stuff. That's a photographer's job, but but we also know when when an image isn't balanced either. So, um, so going into it, yeah, I needed to know um, those things about photography. I needed to know the business side, and I also needed to know. Um, the, the art side of it, Uh, and over and over we talk about, he can't, he can't teach art. You can teach the guidelines. We, we can, we can learn about the guidelines of art. And once you feel comfortable, which it was a good, I would say seven years, seven years of really pounding the ground and taking pictures and, um,
0: really being critical of your work. Develop. yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Developing your eye. Before I even felt like I was at the point where, not that you know this, I don't know this, we're always learning and the challenge is always to learn and develop our creativity. But the biggest challenge, and the, you know, this, was, this can be disheartening, the biggest challenge is yourself. It's always yourself. You know, after you've crossed the, the technical hurdles of, of understanding the exposure relationship, understanding how to use your camera, we, we don't need to be bogged down between, you know, what does this button do and what does that button do? You need to know what it does to, to make it so it's intuitive in your hands when you go out in the field. And those are the, those are the technical challenges that we have to get over. But, far down the line the creative challenge is yourself it'll always be yourself
0: and i think this is where this is where photography kind of blends the lines with horsemanship right so much of working with horses is just it's feel right so how do you teach feel from from the same standpoint of understanding art and then you talk about you know having that mechanical aptitude and and using your hands and using your seat and using your legs and that stuff becoming an innate ability but the biggest thing, and I just had a conversation with an individual a few days ago, is you want to get good at horses, you want to get good at anything, you got to get good at yourself.
1: Yes. You got to develop yes, that level do. of awareness,
0: right? You have to level. You have to understand where you're at, where you want to be, and, and start breaking down some of your own walls. And that's been my biggest joy and my biggest struggle in working with horses is that oftentimes it's me that has to get better. And as I get better, then the horse naturally follows because I see that genuine leadership.
1: When I when we go up to our place, you know, and, and we're with our horses, our youngest daughter, Cheyenne, she's, uh, she's 17 and, oh, heck she's been riding since she was uh, two or three years old. Um, you know, as soon as she could get her in a saddle, she was there. Um, and she's, you know, she's gone through just multitude of, of disciplines, but with her, as we talk about your you know the emotional side of, of your podcast, I go out I, I go out and I cover these guys and gals, ranches and families um, doing what they do. They're not famous they're not they're just everyday people and, and that's something that I truly pride myself in is you know I, I'm not chasing after famous people but yeah. when when I, when I go out and I cover them, um, i don 't come back as as I, as I see them in my viewfinder as I come home and I edit the images. I don't look at them with envy and I don't say, gosh, I wish I could ride like that or, oh, man, I wish I could rope like that. I don't at all. In fact, I have such a deep appreciation for the relationship that, you know, that these folks have with their horses, with their dogs, uh, with the skills that they've developed, just like photography. Correct. It's a skill. It's an art. And and I see that just like roping. You know, man, when you see a good roper out there and you see a good hand – it's a thing of beauty. It's incredible to watch. Yeah, you can just sit
0: back and watch them all day.
1: God, it just feels good in my soul. Now, yeah. coming back to coming back to our youngest daughter Cheyenne um, with our three horses, we had four, but uh, we had to put one down, and it was her first horse, and he uh, got navicular, an and and I'm just not a pasture pal kind of guy, so yeah. you know we have to make that decision. Nor do we have, you know, we don't have the space for it either, but but she made the decision to, to put him down and that was hard, but that's also a lesson in life that, um, you know, sometimes we have to make these hard choices uh, and and they're emotional, but what we didn't realize at the time, the horse that I had, um, was going to put some first rides on him and he was going to be my horse. (laughs) But as it turns out, you know, once, once Cheyenne had to put down her horse, um, this one, Jack's, where he was at in his age and where she was at with her skills, it could not have been a more perfect balance for those two. And we go up there and I want, you know, I, I want horses that are bulletproof, that are, you know, look, I get dumb on horses. I, I just do. I'm not, I'm have not those horseman. moments. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not, I get dumb. Um, I like to hop on and off my horse. I like to hop saddles and things like that. And I expect the horse to stay there. Don't get spooky on me. Don't get dumb. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. I can get dumb, but you don't get dumb. (laughs) (laughs) It's a double standard here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and he's that, he is just that horse at such a young age, three and a half years old. He, um, God dang it. He's a great horse. Uh, just really thankful to, uh, to to have him now. We also have his mother, and that's uh you know that's my wife's horse. And then Cheyenne is part of the AQHA, and she she got into this young horse development program through the AQHA. Oh, incredible, and, yeah. And and she had to write a, a long essay about you know about her horsemanship skills and experience and things like that. And then breeders from across the nation um, can choose whether or not they want to donate. Um, well, that's an incredible opportunity. So, yeah. So she got chosen. And so now we have another little tiny one up there. And the thing about this, and it, you know, this is the most beautiful part about, in my opinion, the Western world is, you know, it doesn't matter what discipline you're in. Um, you know, and that, that even goes for rodeo. You, know, you see these guys behind the chutes helping each other. And and they're competing against one another, but man, they will they will have your back and they will help you, and and that goes for brandings and ranch yeah. life, just yeah. in general. Yeah. So with um, with Cheyenne getting this this young horse and developing developing this, there's an onus on her to um, uh, to raise money to take care of this horse. It's not on our budget at all. In fact, she has to submit financials and show the AQHA how much money she's raised for it and give them monthly training logs and things like that. And the onus is on her and it and it develops her as a as a young horse you know, as a young horse person. So
0: they're great business skills as well, yes. right? The mitigation yep. and Absolutely. management and all that, you know, having to report to somebody.
1: Yep. yep. So anyways yeah, kind of a, a little deeper dive there. But um, as far as the photography goes, when I when I go out and I'm covering I'm covering my ranch life activities. Yeah, I don't come back with envy in my heart at all. In fact, I come back with so much appreciation for the time, talent, and expertise that these folks have in in what they do. And I find so many correlations between um, farming and ranching. And small business because nobody, nobody forces you to get up at two o'clock in the morning again, you know, and, and in, yeah. in a blizzard and, and go pull a calf or something like that. No way forces you to do that. But you know what the consequences are if you don't. And it's the same thing in small business. Nobody forces you to go out that door every day. And it's hard and it's risky and it sucks and I hate getting in front of people and I hate you know uh trying to trying to sell yourself and all that garbage.
0: Yeah, that's the uncomfortable nobody part. Nobody forces
1: you. Yeah, nobody forces you to do that, but you know the consequences if you don't.
0: I think it's all it's all relevant. It's all phenomenal material, you know. It's just here I go going into this interview and I thought we we're going to talk photography and the western life but <laughs> <laughs> this is a great this is a great part about the show, right? We just kind of let it go where it goes and yeah. and yeah, so many absolutely. applicable lessons of small business directly relate to our lives, right? Time management and motivation yes. and discipline and responsibility, right? The consequences, you know, when you do and when you don't. And and that's the value in all of this. I think it's it's absolutely incredible to see what you produce day in and day out. It's it's wonderful to get to know the man behind the behind the images a little bit more. Thank you. Yes. And for folks out there, where can they consume more of your content, more of your material? How can they find you?
1: First, my website is cdphotog.com. And right after that, you can, you can hit my Instagram or go first, whatever. I don't care. But uh, uh, on the Internet, I'm uh, www.cdphotog.com. On Instagram, it's cdphotog. On Facebook, it's Chris Dickinson Photography. Um, I think I have a Twitter. I do enjoys <laughs> social media, got,
0: right? I'm somewhere yeah, yeah. out there.
1: Well, that's a small business, side, yeah, right? Yeah. The social media it's is a, you you have to you have to use what's available to you. Um, I, I do have a Twitter account as well, cdphotog Utah UT, um, and then uh, hey, yeah, there's various other social media accounts like Vero and Dayflash and stuff like that that I use as well, and you can find me under the same name, cdphotog.
0: It's incredible. So let's go back. I mean, I know we talked a lot about transitional decisions in life. But that's yeah. kind of been the, the the underlying theme. If you were to summarize or give people kind of a mo- mantra or or a motto that you live by, or the most valuable lesson learned, what would you share with people who might be in that moment of reflection or that moment of transition between between professions or any tough decision in life?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, and the first. The first thing that comes to mind is something that I dismissed so long ago in my life um, a mentor that I had not photography, just life in general um, I was you know young early twenties you're you're young and dumb and yeah. you know, We've all <laughs> dismissive done it. about pretty much everything and um, this guy made a huge impact on my life, and little did I know that he that so much later on in life what he would tell me would be so relevant. Um, he was, he was murdered. Oh gosh, quite a while ago. And um, fortunately I still keep up with his daughter. Um, I met her when she was super young, but it, it's just great. Anyways, he would tell me, he would tell me something uh, all the, t- all the time when, when there was a life decision, he, he would say, Chris, what's the worst possible thing
0: that could happen?
1: And what would James Bond do? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so the so life lesson we, is store more <laughs> ammunition, firearms and pyrotechnics, right? To, <laughs> yeah, to better exactly. equip yourself for life. <laughs> <laughs> and buy
1: an Aston Martin. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say,
0: going to be a lot um, of horses trained to, to, to know, foot what, that bill. What
1: is, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? And, uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, I, I tell you that about my wife. My wife is is very much a risk taker. Let's just try it. You know, and I'm like, oh God, what if, yeah. what if, what if, what if, what if? Um, just try it. Just do it. What is the worst possible thing that could happen? What, what, you're going to go late on a credit card bill or, or something like that? Yeah. Uh, I'm here to tell you that there's much worse out there. I yeah. promise you that. Yeah. And I've seen it. I've been faced with it. And then add some levity to it. What would James Bond do?
0: Yeah. I, I have huge respect for folks such as your wife because. I am very much like you, right? I err on the side of of conservation in most decisions, sure. but there is some liberty in just going for it, right? And just yes, airing it out, oh, you know, and yes, and confidence and everything that comes along with it. Because we, yeah. I always tell people, you don't know what you don't know, right? And That's oftentimes right. we don't give ourselves as much credit as we probably should. We're pretty resilient species, and and with due time and determination, there's some great things that can come of of any scenario.
1: You know, let me throw this in. It's something that I that I didn't talk about, uh, that I glossed over real quick. Mm-hmm. That's what comes out in my pictures. What's the worst possible thing that could happen? Yeah, could I get stepped on by a horse? Absolutely I could oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I trust the people that I'm around, but without without great risk, and and I, I mean this sincerely, you know, don't don't go out there throwing caution at the wind. But this is what translates out in my pictures.
0: It's a calculated risk, right?
1: Yep, it is.
0: Calculated risk. Well, Chris, I thank you very much for your time over the last uh, about hour or so. We are definitely looking forward to everything you got going on in 2019. I know you oftentimes participate in workshops and conduct those workshops. I do. Yep. Do you have anything in store or planned for 2019 that folks can look forward to or or learning from you a little bit more?
1: Out in June, uh, out in South Dakota, at the end of June, I'll be teaching another workshop out at Jen and Zach's Ranch. Um, that one's already full, but, uh, I'll have one out here in Utah, September 20th through the 22nd. Perfect. And people can uh, learn more about that on my website.
0: Good to go. Well, Chris, I I very much thank you for your time. It's been an incredible journey and, and so much of, of life's decision-making was discussed over the last hour. And if there's anything we can do to help you or your endeavors, you don't ever hesitate to reach out.
1: Jason, I look forward to following up with you. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yes, sir. Have a good one. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.